It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down, break it all down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. We have a mental health crisis, but what is contributing to it the most? And today, Washington State Appellate Court just greenlight eco-terrorism. But first... Give us your bottom line. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Welcome back. Hour number two of the bottom line, Thursday afternoon, News Radio 610 KONA. Rob Francis said Dawson with you. A reminder, our poll question today, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange's arrest today has been viewed as a dark day for freedom and is the capture of a fugitive of justice is Assange a hero or a criminal for his actions at bottom line 610 at 610 KONA radio you can get involved in today's poll also want to remind you if you missed our interview yesterday in the three o'clock hour with pro football hall of famer Seahawk legend Steve Largent it is up on our website uh, you can go back and listen to the podcast from yesterday's program at 610kona.com. Uh, just put your cursor over bottom line, click on bottom line podcasts, and you can hear the interview in its entirety uh, with Steve Largent. May 3rd, he will be the keynote speaker for the Franklin County uh, Republicans Lincoln Day Dinner at the Pasco Red Lion. If you'd like more information on that, go to franklinrepublicans.com. Find out how you can see Steve Largent May 3rd complete in that within embedded in that podcast is my admission that I dressed up like him for Halloween. More than once. Maybe two. By the way, today is also uh national pet day. Is it? Yes. And if you hit our Twitter page at bottom line, six ten, uh, I shared a few pictures of my brood. Your brood. Yes. My brood. <laughs> so uh, if you, if you like, you want to see some pictures of my pack, uh, I pop, pop some pictures up there uh, at, on the Twitter page at bottom line six ten. Five of the six are represented uh, in, in photo. So wow. five four seven one six ten. If you want to get involved, we do have a tweet from G Man said I support President Trump. If Julian Assange is dirt on the Dems and the Clinton crime family, then he'll be a hero for exposing what he knows. However, that goes in multiple directions. G Man, you know you you. Not everybody is Batman, okay? And the reason why I say Batman is because, you know, Batman <clears throat> walked that line. He used methods that were not necessarily, um, that would necessarily establish him as a good guy, but his means were to try and make the world a better place. Not everybody can be Batman and get away with it. And Julian Assange, I don't think, falls into that category. And again, uh, you know, no disrespect to <gasps> our listener, no, oh, okay. to our listener, <laughs> to our listener. But uh, I'm going to flip it around. If if the same thing would have played out where Assange dumped a bunch of stuff about Trump, yeah. and Clinton won because of it, would he still be a hero? I think we all know the answer to that. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, fellas, it's Mike. Mike, what's up? Hey, uh, that word transparency comes into play. So Obama said in part of his campaign, uh, this is going to be the most transparent administration you've ever seen in your life. 
And it turns out that it was the exact opposite of that. So my point is this. Assange throws it out there. I love transparency. If it's bad transparency, well, then don't do bad things. If it's good transparency, then do more good things. But the American people deserve to know transparency at 100% whatever. You can't pick and choose what you think is going to be transparent, i.e. the FISA warrants and all other stuff, and then hide behind some whatever. Transparency means, here it is, take a look at it. Everybody's dirty underwear is out there, and then you make your own decision from there. I'm I'm with you. I, I'm a I'm a strong advocate of of transparency, but does that include military secrets going into the Department of Defense uh, database and and pulling up stuff? Is is would that? Are you cool with that dirty underwear being uh, aired? Ed, whatever the parameters are on that, if they say uh, you know this is classified, there's no such thing as transparency on that. Then I'm going to play by those rules. But when there's transparency on the other set of rules and I just don't like it and I disagree with you on Trump, if that would have came out that Trump did all of that stuff, he would have lost me. And I'm a I'm an avid Trump supporter. Thanks for the Fair call, enough. Mike. Appreciate it. Yep. No, I look, I, I, I appreciate Mike's take. Absolutely. But I will go back to my hard and fast rule on this. If it is information that you could get through a public records request or through a Freedom of Information Act request, there's no harm, no foul, because it's information that would be available to the general public if they simply fill out a form and ask for it. If it is information you can't get through that avenue, then you're now talking crossing a line that is classified information, could be national security information. If you can't get it as a general member of the public, there's a reason for that. And so state secrets should not be published by anybody, let, no matter what. If you are, again, I go back to Valerie Plain. If, and I'll go back to the comparison with the Pentagon Papers. What they exposed was a government basically rigging the length of a war to be able to maximize what its intention was. There were no names released. There were, all it was was intentions and an intent to deceive the American public. Nobody was put at risk by the information released in the Pentagon Papers. Julian Assange released information that could kill people. Could wind up in in, in people being killed, people being hurt, um, compromises in national security. That's not the kind of stuff you release to the public. You're no hero for doing that. That's where the, tra- that's where the transparency argument to me ends. The other part to this, too, is whether you agree or disagree with the outcome, hacking into a federal department database is illegal, and that's not a secret. You know, Edward Snowden didn't say, whoa, what's this? Oh, I probably shouldn't see this and tell his supervisor. He went looking for stuff, and he found it. Same with Chelsea Manning. Chelsea Manning went looking for stuff, knowing full well that that act was illegal. And I I guess the the thought was, well, I just got the information. I didn't put it out to the whole world. Well, no. 
you're you're an accomplice. All right. You're you're in fact, I would flip it around almost. I, I would say again, like I said in the first hour, the act of hacking into and stealing information that you are not supposed to see is illegal. Now, is it the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? You can make an argument depending on what the information is. Trust me, I I am convinced that there is information that the federal government has that would be a good thing that if it would it, it became public knowledge, I think it would be a good thing, not only for transparency, but maybe just for humans in general, okay? But I'm not going to go looking to hack my way into the DOD to find it. I, you know, I, I'm not that committed <laughs> because, you know, I, it's wrong. You, you don't do that. When you do something like that, your motivation is to take something down. Yes. Take someone down. To expose a weakness. To try and put someone at an extreme, either put someone or something in extreme peril or open them up for a potential attack of some kind, shape, or form. That isn't cool. It's illegal. It's not just not cool. Well, yeah, it's no, illegal. No, 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 it's illegal. But what but I'm again, saying is, no, that motivation and that intent—that is was the driving force behind Snowden and Manning. True. It, maybe the hope was, in amongst the information that was taken, that there was something that you know, if it was released, could justify their illegal activity. Again, we can have a conversation. I think that it is. It is much grayer about whether or not the act was justified in that the public needs to know. Okay, I think I'm not so sure about what Manning and Snowden released is a is a need to know. You know, it's kind of gray. What's not gray is that the information was obtained illegally. Let's yep. go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Carl from Prosser. Hi, Carl. What's going on? Well, you talk about Bradley Manning, and his sentence was commuted by President Obama, so therefore he thought the information put out was not that harmful. And then you bring up, you you talk about this, and then we got to bring up the Democrats in what's going on right now with the report, the Mueller report. They want to know everything and everything shouldn't be released. Well, appreciate and, and, the call. And, and, and thanks for the call, Carl. And, and here's the other part of that. They're doing it simply to play a political game. Yeah. They don't care, no. ultimately. They just want to make sure that every single thing out there could be exposed to help them in 2020. Yeah. They're not after truth. They're, no. not after, they're not after anything like that. It's political gamesmanship, you know, of, of a degree that we have been seeing for the last 15 to 20 years without a question. There are people out there. That honestly, I think, at least starting out, want to, even if it's an illegal means of getting it, expose governments 
and release information because they believe that it is in the best interest of whether it be Americans or or just anybody in, on the earth to know, you know, for transparency's sake. I believe that there are actual transparency fighters out there. Again, whether or not what they do is justified in their legal activity, you can debate that. But yeah, there's also plenty of people, mostly politicians in D.C. and some in Olympia, too, that the truth is like maybe six or seven on the list. You know, get your opponent, you know, lob bombs at your opponent, uh, strengthen your position, you know, those types of things, you know, uh, make the electorate happy, get reelected, things like that are are the motivation, and it has nothing to do with the betterment of anybody but yourself. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Brock from Pasco. All right. What's on your mind today? Well, it's funny. He uh, Obama commuted a uh, Manning sentence, but Snowden, since he came, and Manning came out with stuff on, on Bush in their era, but since Snowden came out with stuff on Obama's era, he's, he's a criminal. But, you know, Manning is a, a what? He gets his sentence commuted? Yeah, you're right. There's a, there's a perfect example Absolutely of the political ideology yep, element. The hypocrisy, yeah. no doubt. No doubt. No argument from me. 547-1610, 509-547-1610. If you'd like to join the discussion here on the bottom line, this is the area's only live local call and talk show, by the way. Yep. And our poll question for today deals with exactly what we've been talking about. Is Julian Assange a hero or a criminal? Bottom line, 610. You can answer it. Join the show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed. Presented by McCary Meets in Basin City on News Radio 610. K-O-N-A. This hour brought to you in part by Perfection Tire with four Tri-Cities locations to serve you. This is the bottom line. I'm Ed Dawson. He's Rob Francis. 547-1610 to join the conversation. Rob, we know that we're in the part of the legislative session in Olympia where the the chambers, uh, the, the House and the Senate are voting on the opposite uh, bills from the other chamber that have a fiscal uh point to them yes. because you know they've got to get to the budget at some point a a bill was passed uh a short time ago uh on a vote of 56 to 42 along party lines uh that was a senate bill but the house amended it so it's not a done deal yet it needs to go back to the senate to see if the senate approves of the amendments that the house made but it is the infamous clean energy bill uh, that the governor has been pushing for. Uh, and we don't need to go into all the details. And again, it's not a done deal yet because right. some of the amendments need to be accepted by, yeah. by the originating chamber. But one interesting part to this, there was a number of amendments that were proposed. Yes. One of which was the very last amendment that the chamber took up. And it was... Uh, I believe from Representative Matt Shea of Spokane, um, which would have, if it would have passed, it did not. Of course it didn't. It would have 
put the final version of the clean energy bill to a referendum vote of the people in the yep. next election. And that was voted down. Yep. That would have would have put it along on, party lines. Would have put it on a ballot. People would have been able to see it, read it, vote on it, and Democrats in Olympia did not want to see for the 11th time Washington voters come back with a no. And the reasoning behind it, you heard Democrat after Democrat uh, pick up the microphone and say, well, we are here represent, you know, we're voted in to represent the people of our district. And and so, uh, you know, we don't basically we don't need the public's help. That's they didn't right. say that, but they kept saying, you know, bringing up the whole thing. Yes, you're right. Th- those people are elected to represent us. Yes, they we were we were elected to represent the people, but now that we're here, we're here to represent the governor's political presidential ambitions, and so we are going to do everything we possibly can to make sure as many of those get through as possible. To heck with the people in our district that don't want tax increases. To heck with the people in our districts that voted us in, that are tired of Olympia putting tax bill after tax bill up for a vote and looking to make us even worse when it comes to a regressive tax system. No! No! We can't put it to the people. We They, they can't decide. They sent us to decide for them. Because they want to live in a nanny state that is taxed out the bejeevers. Well, not to mention, it was roughly six months ago yeah. that, that 1631 was voted down uh, 56 to 40, well, 57 to 43. Which would have been the third, which is the third carbon initiative that yep. was voted down yep. by the people. So they yep. don't want a fourth. They don't want Jay Inslee to get another black eye when it comes to a carbon slash clean air piece of legislation or initiative. They need to pass this for him. He's out there campaigning on it. There's no way they're going to let the people weigh in on it. And because of that, people all around the state are once again going to get screwed by Democrats in Olympia. It's one thing if the people never had a say, right? It's one thing for the Democrats in the Puget Sound to dictate policy for the entire state. That, yeah. that's, that's, that's one issue. But this, as you mentioned, a couple of times... The entire state got together and a majority of us, Washingtonians, red, blue, purple Washingtonians said, no, we're good. Thanks. We don't we don't need this. We yeah. don't need 1631. We don't need anything like that. And yet they're going to do it anyway. And Representative Bill Jenkins of the 16th had the best line associated with all this. Yeah. He says, uh, paraphrasing. It stinks. Yep, the policy stinks. The policy stinks. As, and he even did a mic drop. It That's was, right. I don't know if it was intended or not, but, you know, good to see Bill Jenkins back in the chamber, right? <laughs> Take a quick time, ta- time out. Come back with more. Bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA after this. And just think, if this guy could get away with, he did, with what he did, what's going to stop anybody else? We'll tell you about it next. 
Now back to the bottom line on News Radio 610 KONA. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline 509 547 1610. This hour brought to you in part by Ben Franklin Transit, connecting our communities. You can visit them at bft.org. I want to remind you our poll question for today, bottom line 610, is very simply Julian Assange arrested today, WikiLeaks founder. It's been viewed as a dark day for freedom and as the capture of a fugitive of justice. Is Assange a hero? Or is he a criminal for his actions? And we did reference the Pentagon Papers a couple times talking about this. One thing to be aware of, when the Post got a hold of those, they got a hold of those two years after they were taken. So they had no idea what was coming their way. They were not involved in any way, shape, or form with the gathering of that information. It was dumped on their doorstep. Assange is being charged with being involved in the gathering of the information. It's a huge distinction to make and, and, and to make sure that 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 distinction is put out there. But um, the Washington State, a Washington State appellate court the other day ruled on a case where an individual broke in to a facility, affected the operation of that facility, claimed that he did it out of necessity and he had no other legal options And the appellate court kicked it back down and ordered a retrial. Hmm. We'll explain. This gentleman who lives in Oregon crossed state lines and broke into a pipeline facility owned by Kinder Morgan. Okay. He proceeded to turn off a valve, which stopped the flow of the oil they transport, which is Canadian tar sands to refineries in Skagit and Whatcom counties. Okay. okay. The individual intended to protest the use of tar sands oil, which he says contributes to climate change. Okay. And the governments haven't acted, so he has to act. Okay. He has to act. He, he claimed necessity in his defense, meaning that if he didn't do something because nobody else would, then the harm that would have been done would have been greater than the crime he committed. Okay? Hmm. Okay. All right. So. Are we talking about Batman again? <laughs> no, no. This this is, this is guy is nowhere near Batman. Okay? This guy was nowhere near Batman. Now, he was arrested at the facility. He was charged with burglary in the second degree, criminal sabotage, and criminal trespass in the second degree. He said, he admitted what he did, but said he was protected under necessity. Hmm. Okay? Okay. Now, here's the thing about necessity defenses that, that are interesting, all right? A necessity defense is valid when there is relatable and relevant evidence to his action. Okay? In other words... One of the things that he's claimed was it would impact global warming. It would impact climate change. Okay. We can't prove that. And the impact of what it would have on climate change would be so minute that you wouldn't be able to gauge the the actual impact of it. All right? Okay. That 
that is not relevant information. That is not a relative argument under a necessity defense. Okay. He claimed that his Sixth Amendment right was violated. Sixth Amendment. His Sixth Amendment right was violated. All right. Um, he claimed that his right to present the defense under the Sixth Amendment was violated, the necessity defense, even okay. though you have to have evidence relevant to your crime in order to be able to present it. Hmm. So we get a little bit further down, all right? Even the court admits his right to present a defense is subject to established rules of procedure and evidence. The state had a motion to not allow any of the evidence that he wanted to put in because their claim was it was not relevant. And his only defense was necessity. So he claimed that basically it was going to be the end of the world. Oh. Okay, if he didn't do this. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but my understanding of things like pipelines that work the way they do, it kind of works a little bit like a, you know any other kind of thing that transports through. If you turn off a valve, that could potentially do more harm than letting it flow. Yeah. You, you know, you get a backup somewhere, put stress on the pipeline, you could cause a leak. So his action could have potentially caused more environmental damage than just leaving it alone. However, the court believed that he presented sufficient evidence that he reasonably believed the crimes he committed were necessary to minimize the harms he perceived. Hmm. In other words, you can be an eco-terrorist as long as you believe that what you're doing is going to benefit climate change. It's interesting because... We've almost come full circle in our hour and a half. It's unbelievable, quite well, honestly. The, I can envision Julian Assange doing much the same defense, not for climate change, obviously, but for just the betterment, period. But in this case, and again, the, the, it was the appellate court, right? That, it that was the appellate court. It. So it wasn't the Supreme Court. The, no, the Supreme Court, the appellate court, Kicked it back yeah, down to the trial. In order to retrial, yeah. claiming that they there was a procedural violation on his Sixth Amendment right of okay. presenting a defense, even though um, there wasn't really anything to present to show that it fell under necessity. Well, because I want to make sure I'm getting this straight. He had to do what he did. Because nobody else was doing anything about climate change, so he had to do this, right? He had to to save the world, yeah. Okay. He had to save the world. I would, if I Hmm. am prosecuting this case, my first witness is the Honorable Governor Jay Inslee. Sir, are you doing anything for climate change? Oh, yes, I'm doing a lot for climate change. Case closed, Your Honor. No need for this defendant to do what he did because... Jay Inslee's got it. But here's the other avenue, okay? <laughs> and and, and, and I, I hear you. Here's the other avenue here, okay? The other part of this is he believed that he had no other legal recourse or legal action other than to take matters into his own hands. Right. Okay? That, that's what he believed. Now, here's the questions that were, you know, that were posed to him regarding the reasonable legal alternative angle, Okay. What was your intent in shutting off the safety valve on the 11th to stop the flow of tar sands oil running through the pipeline? Why were you attempting to do that? I was attempting to take the most effective measure that I could think of to address this problem to avoid cataclysmic climate change. Cataclysmic from one pipeline and one valve. Cataclysmic. 
Did you believe there was anything left to do that may have been legal that could have been addressed to the issue? I think that there are legal steps that can be taken, and I continue to take those, but I think that they alone are insufficient. He just admitted that there were other legal options and that he's in the process of taking those, but basically he couldn't wait long enough the, yeah, for the process to play out. What he was being charged with, he doesn't deny doing. And, in fact, you're right. That, that, that conversation, that back and forth right there should be enough to have the whole thing tossed out. However, the appellate court believed that his testimony said that he was addressing the ineffectiveness of his alternatives and not admitting he had reasonable legal alternatives available to him. Hmm. And they believed that if a jury was able to hear his testimony, it might have concluded that his available legal alternatives were futile. So they reversed and remanded it back to the lower court for him to be retried. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, the they had to have just said, you know what, this is so stupid, you guys deal with it. I mean, seriously, this should have been a slam dunk at the appellate court. There is nothing here that says you're breaking into a facility, turning off of a valve that could have potentially put stress on the system and caused potentially a leak, depending on how long it could have got on, is protected under necessity because you could have caused more harm by doing what you did than by leaving it alone. He could have caused cataclysmic climate change by uh, by disrupting the operation of a pipeline. And these numbskulls at the appellate court, well, you know, if a jury could have heard the experts and, and well, he was a little frustrated with the fact that, that his legal options were going slow, you know, well, it's okay that he did what he did. Now, take it on the other side. What if some, What if damage was done to the pipeline? What if there Would was that have been justified? Because they figured, ah, well, the only inconvenience really was a couple of workers had to come out and turn it back on. There was no real inconvenience to, to Kinder Morgan or anything else. Even though, you know, somebody broke into the facility and, and attempted to sabotage, you know, their operation. Yeah, there's really no, no, just, just an inconvenience uh, for their employees when, when it all comes down to it. We're really now at a point that in this state, in this state, by the way, the guy's from Oregon. He's not even from Washington. Oh, we're now at a point in Washington. Yes. We're now at a point in time in this state where we have in 40 years of having the left in control of the governor's mansion, appointing judges all across the state. We have now gone through. We're now in our second generation, beginning our third generation of liberal appointed judges in Washington state. This is the result. Eco-terrorism is okay now. You can go in and turn off a valve if you think it's going to save the world. To hell with what it could potentially do, but that's all right. Go ahead and turn that valve off. Tar sands are bad. Let's have it blow up all over the southwestern part of the state because you think by letting it run it's going to do worse, idiot. Boy, that gives me a great idea. Back after this. Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City on News Radio 610-KONA. And this hour brought to you in part by the kitchen creators at Bunch Finnegan, making your dream kitchen come true. They're located at 9 East Columbia Drive 
in Kennewick. And a reminder, our poll question today on Twitter, at Bottom Line 610. Make sure you swing over and take part in it. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange's arrest today has been viewed as a dark day for freedom and as the capture of a fugitive of justice. Is he a hero or a criminal for his actions? And a reminder, if you missed our interview yesterday in the 3 o'clock hour with Pro Football Hall of Famer and Seahawk legend Steve Largent. Shame on you. Number 80 was on the program yesterday. Shame on you for missing it. You can catch the podcast. It is up on our website at 610kona.com. Under the bottom line tab, you'll see bottom line podcast. You can click on it and enjoy it for yourself. And if you liked what you heard, you could see Steve Largent. As he speaks live, he's the keynote speaker for the Franklin County Republicans Lincoln Day Dinner on Friday, May 3rd. Go to Franklin go to FranklinRepublicans.com, FranklinRepublicans.com for ticket information. Yeah, it's only a few weeks away. May 3rd, that's yeah. right. Less than a month, three weeks away. Steve Largent will be in the Tri-Cities. Interesting guy. I mean, there's, there's, there's the football Steve Largent. There's the politician Steve Largent. And then there's just the regular guy, Steve Largent. So. You know, Largent retired in ninety, the end of the the end of the eighty nine ninety season. Yes. Okay. He was inducted in his first year of eligibility into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in nineteen ninety five. Mm-hmm. That's it'll be. Well, let's see. It was I, you know I hate we're, so we're going in we're going into twenty, so it would have math been, is hard. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> So he retired 30 years ago. Yeah. He retired. This was this was the beginning of his final season 30 years ago. Uh-huh. Okay. 30 years ago when he retired, he held all of the major receiving records in the game. Okay? Right. Just, just to tell you how far the game has come in yeah. that time. He had 100 receiving touchdowns, and that was the most all-time. He was the first wide receiver to reach 100 career touchdowns. But but some perspective though. Back then, yes, most teams were ground and pound, and his the, head, his the head Seahawks, coach, ground chuck. That's right. Well, and but the Seahawks threw the ball around a lot more than most teams back they, then. They did by, by today's standards, it would have been very pedestrian offense. They set up the pass once they drafted Kurt Warner and they had a viable running back. They set up the passing game by. Basically, workhorsing Warner, and that's how in that season they were able to take a lot of people by surprise and make it to the AFC Championship game. Um, they had some success, you know, in the following years. I mean, Warner tore his knee up against Cleveland. I think it was the following season. Um, you had a couple other guys come in and out, you know, and then that success started to wane. And, and part of it started to wane when that defense started to drop off a little bit as well, which was just ferocious defense oh yeah um but for a guy who didn't have the weapons around him that other guys did like jerry rice uh brought uh, randy moss num- terrell owens number of other guys who have gone on to really eclipse and surpass even isaac bruce had a pretty good cast in st louis for for a number of years mm-hmm. he basically was an island he was an island and he put all those numbers up with other teams knowing full well he's the guy we need to target. He's the guy we need to mm-hmm. key on. And yet he still had 1,000-yard receiving seasons. He still got into the end zone, and he retired with 100 touchdowns. Um, 
you know who's you know the guy whose records he broke, Charlie Joyner. Okay, yeah, Charlie Joyner, and, part of uh, Air Coriel. Yes, in San Diego, where Wes Chandler was there and Kellen Winslow was there. Chuck Muncie was the running back. Dan Fouts was the quarterback. You had options all over the place, aerially for San Diego at that point in time, and he broke Charlie Joyner's. Uh, I think it was his. Tu- I think it was the yardage record and the touchdown record that Charlie Joyner had that Largent broke. Air Coriel didn't put up the numbers that Steve Largent did when he retired after 14 years. That tells you how good the man was. That a receiver in Air Coriel, he beat that. He he beat those numbers at the time. Uh... The the record for most touchdowns by a receiver was the ninety nine by Don Hudson. Don Hudson, that's right. Yes. He, beat jo- he beat Joiner's um, yardage. Yardage, was. yes, yardage. yeah. But that's you saw me making a face. That's yeah. that's what it was. I couldn't think of Don Hudson, uh, and so he ended up. Large and ended up with a hundred. Hudson has ninety nine. Uh, but there there are now like eight or nine people ahead of Steve Largen on the touchdown uh, receiving list. Uh, you know. Led by uh, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, yep. Chris Carter, on and down the line. So he's actually tied with Tim Brown. Yes, with a hundred. Yeah, but anyway, I, I mean, I remember when Harold. And I think I may mention of it. Maybe I don't know if I mentioned it during the show or off the air, but I remember when Harold Carmichael retired from the Eagles. From yeah. the Eagles, mm-hmm. Harold Carmichael held the record for most touchdowns by a receiver in a career with sixty-six. Yeah, and it was his record that, that that wound up that Hudson wound up breaking, if I remember correctly. Uh, when I think it was, I think it was Hudson's last year was the year after Carmichael, if I remember, maybe not. Um, but but Carmichael had had at, at one point in time. He, he you know it, you, you just see how far the passing game has uh, evolved. In all this time, oh yeah, now maybe maybe it wasn't touchdowns that Carmichael had. Maybe it was receptions, but it was it was something that he retired with. It was pedestrian. It was it was it was it was a record of was a small number. And I'm just I'm not I'm not looking yeah. at anything on the internet. No. I'm just trying to recall from memory that there was something that he had that he retired with. That when you look back on, you're like, really, that was the record. Running out of time, but we'll squeeze in one last call. Who's this? Where are you calling from today? Uh, my name is Pat, and I'm calling from Kennewick. Hi, Pat. What's on your mind? Well, I've got my tax property tax statement for this year, and it has on it um, the hospital. I thought we had, the hospital had been sold. Uh, don't know. You still paid it. Yeah. Just because it's been sold doesn't mean that you're not paying that bond. Nope, that hospital district. Yeah, That's everybody's, right. Everybody's paying the hospital district. Oh, absolutely. I would call the, uh, if you have a question about that, I would suggest you call the assessor's office, mm-hmm. get a little more information uh, on it from there. They would be able to explain to you why, just because Trios, and I don't know if the sale is completely final yet, um, but... They are being sold to another entity, uh, but I don't think that takes you off the hook for the for the uh, hospital district no, tax. No, no. Appreciate the call, it. though. Yeah, that's all for the bottom line. News Radio six ten K one A coming up. All your news, weather, and traffic on the afternoon report. Stay with us.